thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Good morning and welcome if you uh, are joining us online. It is great to have you with us. My name is Laura. Uh, Obviously, here in the room, it is great to be with you as well. Um, Today, we are continuing in our Coming Back Stronger series. And today, what I'm, I'm pressing into and thinking through a little bit is how to find your personal core values. So coming back to your yes, uh, really that's what I, I want to talk about. What does it mean for us to come back to the yes of our hearts, the yes that we have already committed to and, and given to Jesus, the, the values, I guess, that we want to live by? Um, and I'm aware that Leon isn't here today, um, and I don't want to cause a fuss However, uh, he did begin last week by making quite a claim uh, that I don't necessarily entirely agree with. Uh, He stated last week that the best comeback film is Rocky. Now, I am going to be very honest with you. I've not seen Rocky as a film. So, you know, I'm only... I'm limited ability to judge. However, I would like to present a counter case today. I would like to present a different film, a film that is such a good comeback film that I don't think most of us even think of it as a comeback film, but it is definitely one of the best films ever made. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Cool Runnings. Now, if you've not seen Cool Runnings, this is, thank you, who's with me? Come on. Right, if you've not seen Cool Runnings, just cancel the rest of the day. This is all you need. This might even be the main thing that you take away from today, and that might be all right. Uh, You just cancel your diary, go and watch this. It's really, really important. And yes, friends, it is a comeback film. Um, This story starts with uh, Doris Banner, and he has this one goal that he wants to achieve in life. He has this one value that he clings to, and that is to get a gold medal in the Olympics. And so um, it starts with Doris training and um, in the qualifiers for the sprints, competing for Jamaica. And you watch him kind of go running to the sprint track, and you watch these qualifiers. And during the qualifiers, disaster strikes. He gets tripped, and two other runners as well get tripped. And all of a sudden, his, his whole world is thrown off course. His, his hopes, his dreams, the things that he hoped for himself and his life were completely thrown out of balance. And then his comeback begins. And you see Doris begin to reposition like, himself around this one value that he wants to pursue, getting a gold medal at the Olympics. And that comeback is basically this incredible plot for the film. And what you see is that he uh, and the two other sprinters that tripped him, and of course, Sanka, the, the, the race cart driver, become Jamaica's first bobsled team. And they turn up to the 1988 Calgary Winter Olympics to compete for Jamaica as their first bobsled team. It is, I believe, one of the greatest comebacks in film that there are. Uh, And I really love this, but what I really love about the film is his determination to pursue the one thing that he values. And um, today, I guess I want to look at what is the value or values that we are pursuing in our lives, that we're just intentionally pushing after. And I'm aware that this is quite like, it's quite a big, intense topic, isn't it? Um, Oh my gosh, what's like, what's the one thing that I'm pursuing? Well, yes, it is big and intense. However, 
think it's a really important question to ask because something determines our direction. Something is a filter through which we make our decisions and our choices. And so why wouldn't we want that to be intentional? If you haven't thought about like, what are the values that I live into and, and live for and, and really want to see in my life, I guess what I want to create is a space for us to think that through and also how maybe we go about um, achieving that. Now, um, People call these values different things. Some would say it's like um, the values that we live into. Some people will call it a rule of life, um, your, your principles maybe. I'm today going with like your yes, like the yes of your heart. And if you're a, a follower of Jesus, then it may well be that you, you think um, it might be a, a characteristic that, that God has that you want to see displayed in your life or, or a cause that God has called you to live for and, and stand for. So it might be something like um, truth or grace, forgiveness. It might be that your value is family or your friends or, or hope and joy, generosity. Or, as I say, it might be a cause that the thing that you believe that God has kind of caught, like calling you to rotate your life around is evangelism or in fighting for, against injustice or homelessness. But all of the, the professionals would say, uh, and of course I know lots of the professionals, but what, what I read is that it, the ideal thing is to pick about two, about two values that you would say, when I look back at my life, this is what I want my life to be about. This is what I want to have seen demonstrated. Essentially, this is the legacy that I want to see through my life. Um, there's a, a really great, great quote from a guy called Jim Collins, because you might say, but all of those things sound important and great, and yes, they do. But Jim Collins says, if you have more than three priorities, you have no priorities. Brené Brown says, at some point, if everything is important, then nothing is a driver for you. And what I would say is, if you've not thought about this before, you've not thought about, well, what is it that I really want to, like, the, the values that I want to uh, rotate my life around, I really want us to encourage, to encourage you guys to think about this today. And as, as I say this, and as I talk about this, what I'm not saying is that it's, it's not God who, who kind of is our filter for decisions. Every, the decisions that we make, the direction that we take, the way that we live, Jesus is the absolute core and center of that. And, um, and it's 100% about coming to God and bringing stuff to God and being wise. But I guess the question for me that I want to ask is, what do you want to be evident in your life? As you navigate through difficult times, as you make decisions, what are the values that you want to see as evident in your life for those around you? Brené Brown would describe these values. Um, a value is a way of being or believing that is most important. Living into our values means that we do more than profess our values, we practice them. We walk our talk. We are clear about what we believe and hold important. And we take care that our intentions, words, thoughts and behaviours align with those beliefs. And this is what we see in Cool Runnings. What is the yes of your heart? For Doris, it was getting a gold medal. Maybe that might optimistically be in this room some of our value, but I wonder whether there is something else. Truth, family, friendship, love, generosity. And I guess today is an invitation to come back to your yes. What is the thing that you have committed to that maybe years ago you said, I want my life to be about this thing? This is an invitation back to our yes, or maybe an invitation to use our yes to stage our comeback if we feel like we've strayed away from that thing. Um, 
Now, uh, I also wonder whether in this season, um, particularly seasons that have been so tough for so many of us, where we've kind of been through this pandemic, so much, many of us feel almost maybe starved a little relationally, and so, so many of us have hearts that are in weary positions, where maybe we've experienced loss and grief. During this last season, where has your yes gone? Are you still living by and still living into the things that you really feel called to, to, to be living into? And during this uh, series as well, we are looking at characters from the first half of the Bible called the Old Testament. That's the first half. And so uh, I get the absolute privilege and joy of speaking uh, about the character of Ruth this morning. And I love the story of Ruth. It's the most amazing story. It's, it's this story of like real famine and loss and grief and pain. But it's also a story that's a beautiful love story, a story of loyalty and determination, and a story that shows what happens when someone says yes, and the yes of their heart is the thing that determines their direction no matter what comes their way. And so, uh, we are going to crack open Ruth. So this is Ruth 1, verses 1 to 5, and it says this. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine that came upon the land, So, a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were Ephrodites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah, and when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman called Orpah, and the other a woman named Ruth. But about 10 years later, both Malon and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone, without her two sons or her husband. And so this is the stage set for this comeback. Now, the, the thing that I find so interesting about the start of this book is actually the first thing you encounter, the first person that you meet is a woman Naomi, who has walked away from her yes. Uh, What I mean by that is that Naomi and her husband will have been Jewish. And when you uh, were born into the the Jewish faith and community, you almost had a pre-yes of your heart, a pre-yes that you had agreed to. As a Jewish person, you agreed to live by and love the laws that God had written for the people of Israel. And a part of that was that you would live in the land that God had given you. And so they would live in this, this land in, in, in Judah. And um, what's interesting is at the start of this, this story, you see that things got tough. Famine hit. Difficulty and hardship hit. And Naomi walked away from her, yes. And she found herself living in Moab. Now, Moab and the, Israel, the Moabites and the Israelites did not get on. So this wasn't just moving somewhere else. This was like enemy territory. Uh, They moved somewhere that they really should never have been. And such a sad thing about this story is that when they got there, there was just more grief and more loss and more pain. But during this difficulty, you meet our heroine. You meet the person of Ruth. And so many things should have disqualified her from a comeback. So many things should have disqualified her from being our heroine. Being a woman, for one, at that time wasn't hugely beneficial. But also, she was a Moabitess. She was the enemy. And yet, when God looked at her, it wasn't her nationality, her past, her gender that defined her. But it was her character 
It was that she was someone who would say yes in her heart and be committed to the yes that she had said. And so, <clears throat> what happens in the story uh, is Naomi decides to return to her yes, to sage a comeback of her own. So she returns back to Bethlehem, and she says to Orpah and Ruth, look, girls, here's the thing. You guys can still get married. You can stay here with your family, with the people that you know, and you can just crack on. I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. It's really not fair to take you with me. But Ruth had said, I have already committed a yes here. I'm sticking with my values. I'm sticking with what I believe to be true. And so we then have um, Ruth 1, verses 14 and 17. Uh, and again they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. I love the verse, Ruth clung to Naomi. In the face of completely unknown world ahead of her, having experienced so much pain, so much loss, and now going into a nation where she will be seen as the enemy, she clings to her yes. Her guiding principle is the thing that she was said, this is where I will place value. And so she follows Naomi into that area. You see, the thing that I love about the character of Ruth is that her comeback was directed by her commitments. And I wonder today whether we could be a people where our comeback is directed by our commitments. And so what is it today as we sit here that determines our direction? What are the things that we use as our, I guess, navigators as we come into, into situations where we have to make decisions, where we, we want to become the people that we want to you know, become, people of love and hope and generosity and kindness? What are the things that our hearts have said yes to? And this isn't necessarily a Christian thing. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, then this is an equally important question to ask yourself. Is it family? Is it friendship? What are the things that you say when I look back on my life, I want people to see evidence of that thing being important in me and being the mark that I leave on the world? Your comeback will be directed by your commitments. And it may be that you use the, the yes, your yes, the yes of your heart, your values, that actually is your navigator. And it could well be that today you're here with a really difficult decision to make maybe about future direction or whether you pursue um, a, a job or even relationships, could it be that your values are the things that guide you in that moment? And so, back to the story of Ruth. What happens is um, Ruth uh, returns to Bethlehem. Uh, she goes with Naomi, and Ruth commits to look after her and Naomi. So she begins, begins, begins gathering grain around the edges of this field um, as, as food and income for both of them. And she ends up uh, gathering grain in a field of a gentleman. And at this point, enters Boaz. And what you realize is between Boaz and Ruth, you see this relationship begin to happen but here you have two people who are committed to their yes. 
no matter what it takes, they're in. Um, and and I, I really, really love that about them, and I believe that that's why God uses them and why this story is so significant. Um, in the story, uh, Boaz is a Jew, and as a part of the yes, which I talked about earlier, that um, in Jewish culture you kind of agree to, um, one of the things is that as a, a Jewish man, if there's a woman in your family who has been uh, widowed, that you could act as a family redeemer or a kinsman redeemer. It's your responsibility to marry them, to make sure that they're looked after and they're cared for. And what you, you find out as the story goes on is that Boaz is actually their family redeemer. So Naomi takes Ruth aside and they have like a mother-daughter conversation to the side. She tells them a little bit about Boaz. Uh, and so we're going we're gonna to kind of eavesdrop into this lovely mother-daughter conversation. So this is Ruth 3, 2 to 4. <clears throat> this is Naomi. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now, do as I tell you. Take a bath, put on some perfume, and dress in your nicest clothes. They're making some moves here, people. Then, go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down. That'd be awkward, wouldn't it? And then go and uncover his feet and lie down there, and he will tell you what to do. So Naomi instructs Ruth as to how she should behave and what she should be doing. Now, um, I just want to touch on this a moment. I don't think anything like particularly explicit happens uh, in this moment in the story, but I do want to unpack something. Um, there's a alter- slightly alternative reading to this where uh, it talks about... Ruth uncovering his feet. Feet. And there's a a reading of this which says, actually, they're not talking about feet. They're talking about his male area. And the reason that... There is a point of where I'm going before any of you start panicking. Um, The reason for that is that Jewish... Some of you are getting nervous of where she's going, what she's saying. Um, The reason for that is that Jewish men at a certain age, when they reach manhood, they will be circumcised. And this was like an outward expression of the inward yes of their heart. An outward expression to say, I am committed to following God's laws, doing what God has asked me. My yes is to God, is to Yahweh. And so there is a reading that would say that what Ruth did was she came in, uncovered his feet, and lay down at his feet. And the reason that she did that is that when Boaz woke up and saw her, he looked past the commitment that he had made, the yes that he had said to God, and saw her in the background of that. That actually, in, in, in Western culture, we would, we would just go, excuse me, you've made a promise. You're marrying me. It was a little more subtle than that in ancient Eastern culture. And this was a very visual way of reminding him of the yes of his heart that he'd already said. So let's go back to the story. <clears throat> Ruth 3, 7 to 9. After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up. I mean, you would, wouldn't you, if it really was his feet, uh, and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Who are you, he asked. I'm your servant, Ruth, she replied. And this is why this makes sense. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. You have said yes. You have a responsibility. You have a pre-commitment that you signed up to. 
And for Ruth and for Boaz, they were both people of their yes. But their yes cost them. For Ruth, the values that she lived by, the things that she decided she would stand for, cost her. She uh, left Moab, the place that she knew, her family, her culture, and she followed Naomi. She, she followed Naomi and, and God into a land where she would be poor, not looked after, responsible for providing for both of them, and seen as the enemy. For Boaz, following his yes, the commitment, the thing that he wanted to be at the core of who he was, meant a huge sacrifice in taking on Ruth as his wife, but also a huge social stigma. She would not have been popular. And this is the thing. So often, our values and our yes do cost us. The tagline for this series is that your comeback happens by It won't happen by chance, but only by choice. I'm going to do that again. It wasn't very smooth. Um, The the tagline for this series is that your comeback won't happen by chance, but only by choice. And so often, when we pursue the things that are of value, the things that really matter to us are really important, that doesn't happen by chance. It happens by choice, and often there's a cost. And choices and and commitments, they they cost us, because if you're saying yes to something, it also means that by definition, you're actually saying no to something else. And so, if your commitment, if your value, the yes of your heart is is your family, then that may well mean that you aren't going to say yes to a job that will provide your family with more resource, but what they want from you might be time. And you know that if you say yes to this job, you're not going to have time with your family, and that's what they want from you. It might be that if you're single, that you, one of your values is to, to be with somebody who passionately loves Jesus. And you might know someone who's super hot, who's interested in you, but you know that you can't go on that date with them. You've got to say no, because they're not the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with, because they don't know Jesus. It might be that for some of you, the value that you want to live by is loyalty. And so next time you're at school, or at work in the kitchen, and that conversation starts up about that person who they don't like, you can't just stand quietly by by the side and listen to it, or you certainly can't join in. In fact, in that moment, you demonstrate your loyalty by speaking up on their behalf. Your yes also determines your no, and no's are really difficult, but it's our no's often, and our pursuit of our yes, that builds character. Our comeback is directed by our commitment, but it is determined by our character. Uh, you may well have noticed today, as you, as you arrived here, uh, for those of you in the room, that it is raining and cold, and there is a lot of wind, uh, and uh, wind, what, no, wind. Uh, I, went, I went to talk, no, don't worry about it. It's windy today, let's go there. And, um, It's autumn, which can only mean one thing, friends. It means that I'm a Celebrity is nearly with us again. I know, right? Big deal. I really enjoy I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here. It is so good. But if I'm honest with you, I mostly love it for Celebrity Cyclone. Now, for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, essentially, these celebrities live in the jungle for what feels like months, if I'm honest, um, or in a castle as of this year, last year and this year. But towards the final one, there's about, I think it's about five of them left. 
they do this final challenge called Celebrity Cyclone. And so they don these costumes. Uh, they have capes and pants. And uh, there's four of them. It's when they're down to four. And uh, they're, they're put in front of this huge like tarpaulin. And they each have a star. And they, they have to get their star on the tarpaulin in the right spot by the time the siren sounds. And if they do that, and they're all in place, they win like a kind of party. But it's not that simple, because they have like wind machines blowing in their faces. They have water that streams down this top. They have like, if we go on to the next one, you'll see like all of these like exercise balls launched in their faces and ball pool balls absolutely everywhere and there's foam. And these guys like are taken out. Like some of them you think, oh my goodness, I think you're going to need a chiropractor after this. It's bad. But they are determined and they are focused and they know that they need to get that star on that point to play their part. And man, do they have to work hard at it. And sometimes I watch that and I think, I can feel like that with stuff. I can feel like there's stuff in my life, values that I'm pursuing, things that I believe God has called me to, and it feels like an exercise ball launched at your face. And you're just going, it's okay, it's okay. I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep going. And you're kind of pushing and pushing. So often the things that God has for us and the values that we want to chase, it feels like hard work. It feels like we're coming up against stuff all of the time. But I believe that in those moments, firstly, we don't do them alone. But secondly, it's in those moments, it's in the choice to get back up again, it's in the choice to keep going, it's in the choice that when they're completely blown off path as to where they know they need to be, they stand up again and they go again. It's in those moments that our character is built. And um, I think one thing to, to say and be really clear about today is that if you are someone who has said yes in a situation, particularly in a relationship, but actually that isn't healthy, um, or you're not safe, that is not a yes that you need to pursue. God wants us to pursue our yeses in healthy and safe spaces. But I do believe when we are pursuing healthy, safe yeses, yeses that reflect God's character and who God is, that sometimes we have to fight for those. Sometimes your comeback will mean that you have to display characteristics that are really tough and you have to dig deep for steadfastness, patience, loyalty, service, purity. And these aren't characteristics that are demonstrated much in culture, but I believe that they're characteristics and values that God says that we are called to stand for. Because in these moments, this is where our character is formed. Our comeback is directed by our commitments, but it is determined by our character. And we never have to do that alone. The story of Ruth and Boaz finishes in a lovely way. Um, Boaz has to do some wheeling dealing uh, to work it out, to marry Ruth, but he does. And they get married. And uh, as far from what we read, they stay together and they live happily ever after. It's a great story. If you've not read it, I really would urge you to do that. But it may well be that you listen and you think, well, where's the comeback here then? I'm talking about comebacks this series. Where's the comeback of this, this passage? Well, actually, it's at the very beginning. It's in Ruth 1, chapter one, Ruth 1, verse 1, sorry, where it says, In the days when the judges ruled Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. I don't know uh, if you're, you're here and you know a little about the Bible or have read about the book of Judges. Um, if you haven't, don't worry. It's just that in Judges, the Israelites weren't doing so great. 
Things were a mess. Culturally, things were all over the shop. Commitment really wasn't what it was about. This yes of their heart that they were supposed to have said to Jesus, the whole nation had walked away from their yes. And so in this story, what we see isn't necessarily the comeback of a Moabite or the comeback of Boaz. This is about the comeback of a nation. And eventually what goes on to happen is Ruth and Boaz marry, they have kids, and hundreds and hundreds of years later, from their lineage, Jesus is born. And on their character, on their standing for their values, is not just the comeback of a nation, but the comeback of humanity. I wonder where the yes is of your heart today. I wonder whether there are things that you've been through, things that have just left you tired, things that have maybe blown you off course from where you want to be or who you want to be. And I wonder today whether God is calling us to stage a comeback in a nation that is broken, hurting, where the poor are overlooked, not catered for, what does it look like to stage a comeback today? Because Jesus is very clear that when we obey him and we follow him, we never stage a comeback alone. In John 14, verses 15 and 16, it says this. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. In 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, and this is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. It says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And I wonder today, maybe through the things that you've been through, or maybe you've not even thought about this before at all, but maybe through the seasons that you've been through, the season where you're in, you want to come back to your yes. And maybe for some of us today, this is saying yes to Jesus again. That maybe you know that through this last season, you're just not where you were with him. And today, I think God says, will you say yes to me again? What does it look like for a group of people to choose to stand differently in our nation? to be people who pursue loyalty and purity and truth and love, to show what it is to really love and prioritize family and friendship and compassion. Because this comeback may not just be for you. This comeback may well be for your workplace, for your family, for your college, your school, for our nation. But I wonder if the starting point is us coming back to Jesus. Is coming back to Jesus and saying, yes, you have the yes of my heart again today. Maybe I'm not where I want to be right now and there will be reasons for that. But Jesus, wherever this leads me, whatever it takes, whatever it feels like I get thrown in my face, however many times it takes to get up and go again, I choose to say yes to you again today. And in a moment, I just want us to have some space to do that. Uh, the band are gonna lead us in a response song and I really would love us to just respond how you personally feel is appropriate. 
Um, it might be that you want to stand. It might be if you're able, you want to kneel. It might be that if you're at home, this is just a moment when you are still. But whether you're standing, sitting, kneeling, lying, contemplating, let this be a moment where we really truly evaluate our, the yes of our heart. I'm going to pray. God, I thank you that when we follow you, you call us to be people that reflect who you are. That for each of us, God, you have given us a call and a purpose on our lives. God, you, you have a legacy for us to leave on this planet. And God, would you just gently prod us where we have strayed away from our yes? the thing that you have put inside of us. But God, would our starting point be saying yes to you again this morning? God, would you be with us? Would you speak to us as we come before you? God, I believe what you're really interested in today is do you have our hearts. And God, I pray that you would help us to say yes.